0: off everything at PuffWorks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's B-L-W-P-O-D. Use that sucker at checkout at PuffWorks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way.
1: You know, they have this clean hypothesis. We live these very clean lives. And so our bodies don't see all these other allergens to react to. And so unfortunately, when they're not challenged, sometimes then they react to benign, innocuous things like peanuts.
0: Hey guys, welcome back. Today's topic is a little outside of like the typical baby led weaning content arena because we're gonna be talking about eczema. And you might be like, Katie, why are you talking about eczema on a baby led weaning podcast? But they are linked or they may be, or there's some research that indicates eczema in babies can possibly increase food allergy risk and managing it might help reduce risk for food allergy development, but it's all this like huge, big gray area, super confusing to me, even as a practitioner in this field. Super confusing to parents, so that's exactly why I asked my guest, Dr. Rebecca Hartman, to join me so we can explore this link between eczema and food allergy risk. So Dr. Hartman is a board-certified dermatologist. She also has an MPH, so a master's in public health. She's really into research and kind of the nitty-gritty at looking at some of these recommendations. She's an instructor in dermatology at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. It's a major teaching hospital of Harvard Medical School. And Dr. Hartman is also affiliated with the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. She is a medical advisor to Ever Eden. So, Ever Eden is a company that makes all natural skincare products for babies and adults. And Dr. Hartman is actually here on behalf of Ever Eden. She's part of their Moms in Medicine team. She helps co create formulas and she offers expertise on certain ingredients and then interprets the research like we're going to do today with regard to eczema and food allergy risk. So, she's got this great professional background, but Dr. Hartman is also going to share in the interview a little bit about her personal situation, which is she is a new mom. She has a son named Ethan. He just turned seven months old. He's had mild, which she said is now like getting worse, eczema. And she's going to explain the difference between mild, moderate, severe eczema, because that's confusing to parents. So her baby's always had eczema, but she's doing baby led weaning. She actually said she listened to the podcast even before we connected, which was so cool. I'm so glad I got to talk to her about both baby-led weaning and her area of expertise, which is dermatology. But she's gonna talk today about how when she introduced some of the allergenic foods that her baby did have reactions. So now they actually suspect peanut allergy. They're working on testing with her son, Ethan, and then possible tree nut allergy. So when I first started talking about the link between eczema and food allergy risk, some parents were reaching out saying, God, I feel so guilty or I feel like you're accusing me. Like my baby had eczema and then got a food allergy. It's because I didn't do something. And I just wanna clarify right off the bat that. The point of this podcast is not to make anybody feel bad if your baby has eczema and then later develops a food allergy, but rather to raise awareness to this emerging small amount of research that shows a possible link between eczema and food allergy. And spoiler alert, if you don't wanna listen to the whole thing, you should, because it's a great interview, but we really don't know how strong the link is. But it's important to have the people working in the field interpret that. And on top of that, Dr. Hartman has a baby with eczema that probably has food allergies. So she's going through it, just like a lot of you guys are. I mentioned that she's part of the Ever Eden's Moms in Medicine team. I do also want to disclose that I am an affiliate for Ever Eden. It's a brand that I was recently introduced to when one of my twins, my little guy Gussie, had some really nasty eczema flare ups. Um, he'd never had it before and, like, around two, it got super bad. So I started using Ever Eden. I was so impressed by it. I not only use it for all seven of my kids, I actually use it for myself, but I reached out to them to see if I could collaborate with them. So we're going to chat a little bit about. What ingredients you look for and what to avoid when you're choosing products for your family skincare. And Dr. Hartman will dive deep on that for you guys. But if you do want to check out some of the Ever Eden products, I have a 15% discount code that you can use. It changes all the time. So I'll link to the current 15% code for Ever Eden in the show notes for this episode, which you guys can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 129. Again, blwpodcast.com forward slash 129 for that 15% discount code Forever Eden. So with no further ado, let's explore the eczema and food allergy risk link with Dr. Rebecca Hartman. Thank you so much, Dr. Hartman, for being on the podcast with me. This is a real treat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. All right, can you share a little bit about your background and the work that you do as a dermatologist?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm a dermatologist. I work at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, which is affiliated with Harvard Medical School. And I also um, very proudly serve our veterans at the VA in Boston. There are no baby veterans that I've seen, fortunately, but um, I do like working with the veterans as well. And I'm also a mom. So I have a seven-month-old named Ethan, and we are embarking on the adventure of baby wed leaning together.
0: Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about how it's going? Everyone, I know everyone will have lots of questions about Ethan. So if you don't mind sharing, how his Introduction to Solids gone?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of friends. I had like a cousin who did the baby led weaning, and I had another friend you know, it's something that I think is getting more and more interest now. And so at six months, uh, we tried it. And what I just want to say to those moms out there doing it is it definitely takes some time. Like I, the first month, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is never going to work. He just sits there. He like pulls out his bib. He plays with the food. It's like he like can't pick it up. And something after like a month, it just clicked. And now he is a champion. It is going so well. He eats a variety of foods. He, he loves healthy foods. He loves like kale. He'll just suck on a piece of kale for for a long time. He likes broccoli. um, He likes meat. We're trying to do a lot of iron rich foods. So it's actually, it's been really great. And one of the benefits I think that people talk about is like my husband and I can eat our dinner while he eats. I mean, we're watching him, of course, for choking and safety, but it's really nice and convenient. And it just works well with our lifestyle. We just have some extra food of whatever we make, try to make it not too salty. And we give that to him.
0: I love to hear baby led weaning success stories. And thank you for the reminder that it is really slow going at the beginning. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Most babies, it will click around four, six, sometimes even eight weeks. So hang in there, mom, if you're just getting started. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, help com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. Dr. Hartman, I know we're here today to talk about the relationship between eczema and food allergy risk. Do you mind sharing just a little bit about Ethan and have you introduced any of the potentially allergenic foods with him as part of baby led weaning?
1: Yeah, so um, Ethan's uh, seven months old. Um, He was pretty much exclusively breastfed until six months when we felt like he could sit up well and put food to his mouth. And then right away we introduced, right before six months actually, I tried to introduce allergens uh, based on the data from the LEAP study, which looked at infants aged four to 11 months. The average age was around eight months and they randomly assigned them to eat about three teaspoons of peanut butter per week um, in about three or more meals versus just avoiding peanuts because the older teaching was just to avoid allergens. And the kids that ate the peanut butter regularly actually had far fewer allergies to peanuts. Um, So there was an 86% reduction in the risk of peanut allergies for those kids that ate the peanut butter regularly. So knowing this data as a doctor, I right away tried to give Ethan some peanut butter right before six months. And unfortunately with his first exposure, he got high. So uh, we did some subsequent testing and we think he's probably peanut allergic, unfortunately.
0: Okay. What about tree nuts?
1: Yeah. So tree tree nuts, we did almond butter a couple of times and he did well, but we tried cashew butter and he got a rash on his face. So we're going to do more testing for that. So unfortunately, I think about a third, again, I'm not an allergist, so I apologize if my allergy data is not spot on, but dermatology, you can hold me to it. But about a third of, of kids with the peanut allergy or about a fifth can also have the tree nut allergy is my understanding.
0: And do you mind sharing just a little bit more about like the peanut reaction? Like what did the hives look like and why were those potentially more concerning to you than just the rash that he got on his face from cashew? Like, was it full body hives? Were there changes in breathing? Anything else you saw from peanut?
1: Yeah, so fortunately for him, it's just been rashes. Um, Although I do, so there's some question if peanut can pass in breast milk. So I've noticed sometimes if I eat peanut butter and then nurse him, I feel like he spits up more. But anyways, that may be anecdotal. But as a dermatologist, the key to hives is that you see these kind of red, ill-defined splotchy areas, but they also have edema, there's some swelling. So they have these pale areas with pallor that are swollen. So to me, as a a dermatologist, he pretty clear-cut had hives and hives are concerning um, for a food allergy because they're mediated a different way than like an eczema or another type of rash. And the way that they're mediated can unfortunately also be associated with more severe types of reactions like anaphylaxis, which could involve stomach problems like vomiting. Babies can actually go limp. Um, and then the most feared complication of anaphylaxis is, is if their blood pressure drops, that can be a very dangerous situation. So unfortunately, he just had the hives. But um, with allergies like this, my understanding from the allergist is they're really unpredictable. So a prior mild reaction does not predict the severity of a future reaction. And so once you see hives in a baby with food introduction, it, it's time to take it seriously and bring it to your doctor.
0: And certainly one of the reasons why we recommend introducing it early and often is because it's actually quite unlikely to see the allergic reaction on the first exposure. It tends to be on the second or subsequent exposure as it can certainly happen on the first, but can also happen on the fifth or the sixth. And that's why we encourage parents that, you know, you do shrimp once, it's not one and done. You got to continually be reintroducing these foods into the baby's diet. So for our parents that are here, they're interested in the early introduction of allergenic foods. They know there's some data that shows it may help prevent food allergy. Could you speak to the relationship between eczema and food allergy risk? How are those two topics linked?
1: Yeah, so um, it's interesting. When before I had my son, I just always thought they were linked because it's genetic. Like people who are predisposed to eczema are predisposed to allergies. They call it the atopic march. They can get um, allergic rhinitis and they can get asthma. But as I, I did more reading and learned with my own son, they actually uh, people now think that atopic dermatitis or eczema in and of itself is a direct risk factor of food allergy because the skin barrier is abnormal. It's unhealthy in eczema or atopic dermatitis. And this can allow allergens in the air or in contact with our skin to see the immune system in a way that they normally would not be able to do so. And there's some thought that seeing the allergens in your gut through eating promotes a healthy response to these allergens, whereas seeing them in your skin does not. And that's probably part of why the early introduction is helpful. We're we're showing these allergens through the gut. And the gut's responding and saying, okay, these are safe. These are not a problem. So unfortunately for for babies with eczema, they're at high risk to have the allergens be exposed through their skin and develop an unhealthy response to them. And that's probably why my son, before he had even tried peanut butter, um, had already had a reaction, but he may have gotten it some through the breast milk. There's some thoughts that actually the peanut protein in some women, in one study, about half the women did pass it in their breast milk and half did not.
0: One thing that I think is confusing for parents, I know myself, I was confused when the LEAP, the learning early about peanut allergy trial results came out and we were really diving deep into it was that what was defined as high risk for peanut allergy, that criteria changed after that publication. And now if a baby has severe eczema and or egg allergy, they're then considered to be high risk for peanut allergy. Parents hear eczema and they're like, whoa, that's me, that's my baby because my baby has eczema. Could you share a little bit about the difference between Mild run of the mill eczema and the severe eczema that puts baby in high risk category for peanut allergy?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's really common for babies in general to have dry skin. Their skin barrier is just not mature and normal, like an adult skin barrier. So it, it has problems keeping the water in. And babies have a lot more skin for their weight than adults do. So there's just a lot more ways that they can lose water through their skin. So it's not, it's not uncommon for kids to have or babies to have dry skin. You know, for eczema, there are different scoring systems, but one of the most common is the easy score, EASI. And for that, um, eczema is called mild if it's just barely perceptible. There's not a lot of intensity for the redness, uh, thickness, sorry, swelling, and lichenification, lichenification being thickening of the skin. It's rated moderate if there's obvious abnormalities of the skin. Like, for example, my son, I would classify as moderate. Sometimes his whole back just feels rough, um, and it's obvious that it's damaged skin. And then severe is where all the skin is really red and inflamed and, and you need to use um, prescription medicine. So most babies do not fall in the severe category, probably most fall in the mild. And then the next, you know, most common would be moderate. And I would say severe is pretty rare.
0: And so you're joining us today, the way I got introduced to you was through the brand Ever Eden, who I know you are on their team of moms in medicine. I believe you're on their medical advisory board. Could you share a little bit about why you decided to be affiliated with the Ever Eden brand as both a mom and a dermatologist.
1: Yeah. So um, they approached me with their moms in medicine program. And when I learned about their brand, I I really liked how their um, science backed. So they wanted me to work with them um, to look at the evidence for ingredients. So I'm an epidemiologist. I have an MPH uh, just like you, which I was excited to see that, that you have one as well. And certainly that helps us interpret studies and data. And they really wanted to be very uh, data driven with their approach. Use ingredients that have evidence behind them. And so, and I, I love uh, reading papers and, and examining the data. So I thought it was a great fit, and I was really excited to to help bring products um, to help kids and their families and their moms use ingredients that are evidence based.
0: And if you guys want to check out the Ever Eden products, I have a discount code. I'll put it on the show notes for this episode. If you guys go to. BLWpodcast.com and just search Ever Eden. This episode with Dr. Hartman will come up. And I know I was gifted products by the brand, which I get a lot of products for work, but this one was really unique. And as I started looking into it, I thought, wow, this is cool because not only are the founders moms, but they're also dermatologists working in medicine and research. Because I know as a mom, it's really confusing. Like when you look at the products, like what ingredients do you want to have and not have? And I was curious if you had any tips for us as moms, dads, caregivers, trying to buy products like, What do you like to see or not see in a product you're going to put on your baby's skin?
1: I really want to see ingredients that have data behind them to work. And so those ingredients include things like colloidal oatmeal, which has been shown to restore the skin barrier and also to reduce inflammation. Ceramides, which are these really critical proteins in the skin that help promote the lipid barrier, which protects the skin from water loss. Sunflower oil has been shown to be anti-inflammatory and to help the skin. So these are some of the ingredients that I look for in products that I use. I'm not, you know, a lot of moms like natural. I think natural has the potential to be great. I have to say to me, it doesn't matter as much if it's natural or not. I just care if the ingredients work really well.
0: And I think it's confusing, like at least in nutrition, the term natural means nothing. Like you can literally ascribe it to so many things that are quote unquote unnatural that it gets really confusing. So sometimes parents are like, just tell me, you know, I'm like, Hey, no added sugar in the food, no added sodium. Like, let's just keep it kind of simple if you can. Sometimes when you read ingredient lists, though, they get really long. I, I'm like, I'm not a dermatologist. I don't know if this is good or not. So I do like taking recommendations from other moms, especially like a physician mom. So thank you for filling us in about the brand. Curious if you would share, I know your son has, would you say it's mild eczema or or mild to moderate? How have you dealt with that?
1: I think it was mild and I now would call it moderate. It's interesting when he got the food allergy at the same time, his eczema was like horrible. Um, And when I was talking to one pediatric allergist, he said, it's often like that. It's like, everything's going haywire at once. So I would say his eczema is moderate. I mean, we have had to use topical steroids for it. And we certainly see in our practice, parents that are reluctant to use topical steroids because they're a prescription, they're not natural. But it really worked amazing for my son. It calmed down his angry skin. He was really uncomfortable, which is any parent is hard to watch. Um, and when I use them, they made a big difference. And and now, of course, the nice thing is we only need to use them as a rescue. And now we're just working on kind of maintaining the skin barrier and keeping the inflammation away by using some of these evidence-based ingredients that we discussed.
0: So I know that the research around food allergy risk and eczema is still emerging. And I've had parents like say that even when you broach this topic, they feel like it's their fault if their baby had eczema and they then developed a food allergy, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast to help just raise awareness about the fact that there might be a link. But what do you say to parents who are like, oh my gosh, like you yourself, you have a baby that has eczema and possibly has food allergy. Like, is this something that we did or didn't do? Like, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So that's a really tough one. I think as parents, we, you know, our instinct is always to blame ourselves or to be really hard on ourselves. And I think we have to do everything we can to to try and not do that too much because we're all trying to be the best parents we can be. Parenting is definitely tough. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Harder than med school, harder than residency. So to, to all those parents working hard out there, I salute you. But I don't, I don't think there's anything that anyone did wrong. You know, this is probably a combination of genetics and environment. Genetics, like my husband has eczema. There's a common mutation, the filaggrin mutation, that's really common about one in three people have it. And it just predisposes you to eczema. And then environmentally, we are seeing just more and more eczema, allergies, asthma in our society. And that's probably a reflection of, you know, they have this clean hypothesis. We live these very clean lives. We're not, as not as many people are working outdoors in the, in the fields, in the woods, farming, you know, we're not working with farm animals. And so our bodies don't see all these other allergens to react to. And so unfortunately, when they're not challenged, sometimes then they react to benign, innocuous things like peanuts. But, you know, I don't think you can fault yourself. There's nothing that you did wrong. There's no data to show that there, anything could have been done differently to prevent this from happening.
0: So one thing I've been wanting to ask you as a dermatologist, and a, I'm a fellow mom, but not a dermatologist. I have seven small kids. I hate bathing them. I only do it once a week. My grandma always said she bathed their kids once a week, whether they needed it or not. And I've heard that that might actually be beneficial, that like bathing your kids too much could be problematic. One of my kids has really bad eczema. Just curious about your thoughts between bathing and then other things we can do for eczema control in our children.
1: These are great questions. I agree. I think overbathing is a problem. It can, you know, really hot water and harsh soaps can disrupt the barrier function of the skin and worsen eczema. And I really, for kids, I'm a fan of kind of age appropriate bathing. So what that means is for the little babies, they really only need to be bathed once a week max. They're just not getting very dirty. They don't sweat. They don't go out and do much, although they're working hard at developing their brains. They're not, they're not that active. And and if you bathe them more, you, you may be damaging their skin. As babies get older or like my son, he's seven months and he has eczema, then it's important to actually bathe a little bit more to try and keep bacteria down because bacteria and eczema have a complicated relationship where they both feed off one another. So eczema skin is much more prone to be colonized by Staph aureus, which is a problematic bacteria. So I try to bathe my son at least twice a week uh, for that. And I even do something called bleach baths, which I recommend you don't do unless you discuss with your pediatrician or dermatologist. This is something that needs to be discussed with a doctor and a decision made on an individual basis. But for us, I think it works well. And it involves basically using a very, very small amount of regular strength bleach in a full bathtub so that the chlorine concentration is like a pool. Um, You never want to let the baby's head get in there. Of course, in general, in a bath, you're watching the baby, you don't want their head to, to get in the water. But just soaking them in that for a few minutes can kind of, the thought is help decolonize some of that problematic bacteria from the eczema. And then you rinse it off and then I let him have a regular bath so he can play a little bit. But harsh bathing for long periods of time with hot water, harsh soaps definitely can strip the skin of its protective layers and can contribute to worsening eczema. So and then of course I, I call it age appropriate bathing because as kids get older, if you have a 14-year-old sweaty, you know, teenager that's been playing soccer, then they probably need more regular baths. And that would be age appropriate for them.
0: We were talking a little bit earlier about the signs and symptoms of food allergy. And I know it's not related to the eczema question, but one thing I share a lot on Instagram and parents share with me, and I and then share with my audience are what pictures of what allergic reactions look like, because they do manifest themselves differently, especially in children of different skin colors. And so sometimes I think we traditionally hear hives, raised, red, itchy patches, but if a child has darker colored skin, it may not appear to be red. Do you have any tips for parents on what to be looking for, for specifically for hives?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, And it's well known in dermatology that our images of skin problems are disproportionately in lighter skin, and and that's a problem because we're not being trained appropriately to care for everyone. So I think it's a great question. Um, hives: the key feature of hives is that they're a word we call edematous, which means swollen and filled with fluid. Uh, because what happens is there's so much inflammation that the blood vessels get leaky and they leak out their fluid. So a key feature of hives that they, is that they should really be raised and swollen. Um, And often they have surrounding redness and central pallor or loss of color, but certainly in darker skin types, redness can be more difficult to see. My son is what we would call skin type four. So he has kind of uh, towards the more darker type skin. His skin definitely did get red. So every baby's different. But I think the key is looking kind of for these raised spots, which, you know, a colloquial term would be like welts, but they're, they're kind of raised and swollen, almost like a bug bite. A bug bite is like a localized hive.
0: And then this is kind of along the same lines, but I do um, a weekly free workshop called Baby Led Weaning for Beginners. And at the end, we answer questions and I get like the same questions over and over, but I got a different one the other day, which was, okay, Katie, you've been showing pictures, especially on social media, of what babies of different colored skin look like when they're having a reaction. I'm not sure if you would know this, but because it's about skin and color, I want to ask you as a dermatologist, when we talk about the difference between gagging and choking, gagging being a good thing, baby tends to turn red or pink, but they're making noise, it's audible air is passing through. With choking, babies tend to turn blue and there is no noise. In babies with darker skin, does it look blue or what would you be looking for skin color wise? Anything you could speak to there if there's a potential choking incident?
1: Yeah, so um, certainly that would be very scary. But I I do think when uh, babies are not getting enough oxygen, you can see the blue color really in any skin type. So, you know, around around the mouth is one of the most common sites where you could see cyanosis. And so I think it would be visible even in a darker skin baby. But in general, with darker skin, the colors may be harder to see. So one may need to look more closely.
0: Well, Dr. Hartman, thank you so much for your time. This has been incredibly informational. I know our audience is appreciative as well. Thank you for sharing your professional expertise, but also your personal story with your son, Ethan. Where can our audience go to learn more about you and your work and also your affiliation with Ever Eden Brands?
1: Sure. So I, uh, they can look me up uh, at the Brigham website as well as at Dana Farber Cancer Center. Um, and Ever eaten, um, I can be found on the Moms and Medicine page on their homepage.
0: And I'll go ahead and link to that for you guys on the show notes for this episode at blwpodcast.com. Dr. Hartman, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Katie, so much for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Dr. Rebecca Hartman. I just love her. Not only is she like super smart, you know, the Harvard dermatologist, et cetera, but she's sharing her professional experience, but she's sharing her personal experience with us. And I love how she shared about her son, Ethan, he's got eczema, now appears to have the probable peanut allergy and possible tree nut allergy. And my intent in doing this episode was to help you guys realize that, yes, it is a lot to deal with and manage, especially if you have a child with food allergies, but it's doable and the research is changing and we need to stay abreast of that. So I'm going to link to all of the resources that Dr. Hartman was mentioning in her episode on the show notes for this page, which is blwpodcast.com forward slash 129. She is a medical advisor to the brand Ever Eden. So she's part of their Moms in Medicine team. They're the dermatologists who are also moms who make all of their products and ingredients. If you want to check out the Ever Eden line, I have a discount code. It changes all the time. So I'm gonna put it on the show notes page for this episode, blwpodcast.com forward slash 129. But you can get 15% off If you want to check out some of the Ever Eaten products, I know I've been using them for one of my little guys has really bad eczema. And then I started using them for myself, like the baby face cream. I'm all about it. It's like the best face lotion I've ever used. That is my affiliate code when you find it on the show notes page. But I also only work with them and recommend them because I absolutely love their products. And just want to say thank you again to Dr. Hartman for coming on and sharing your story and helping us learn more about this link between eczema and food allergy risk. Again, all of the resources are linked at blwpodcast.com slash 129. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye now.